This is another edition of the Passball Show brought to you by JohnPielli.com, by St. Aloysius Church in Jackson, New Jersey, by Two Ways, One Passion Food Truck, located in Scranton, Pennsylvania. As always, a handful of stuff we're going to get into today in the world of baseball, sports, and unifying America. And listen, uh, it's been two weeks, and I'm sure there's not a single person that's paying attention to the show that has missed me over that time. Um, there's a lot that's building up inside me especially when it comes to the sport of baseball. But I'm going to start out with a couple couple things that I'm pretty optimistic and pretty happy to see. Tonight, we got the NFL draft. Uh, we're talking about the amount of talented wide receivers that are out there in his draft, whether it's Devonta Smith, Jalen Waddell. I mean, you're talking about uh, Moore out of Ole Miss. I think there are some really good wide receivers that are going to basically take the place of some of the veterans that you're used to drafting when it comes to your fantasy football draft every year. Um, the Phoenix Suns made the playoffs for the first time since, I, I, I think it's been years, since Steve Nash, right? Steve Nash, who, by the way, ranks third all-time when it comes to assists in the National Basketball Association. And I think you look at Chris Paul, who ranks fifth right now, and I put them two together because you think of the Suns, and you think of whether they have been a surprise in the National Basketball Association or not. And I think it can't be any really any further from, um, from a fallacy if you're going to say that this team is not a legitimate team. And a lot of the reason is because of the acquisition of Chris Paul. And if you think of Chris Paul over the last couple of years, some people may only know him for the the State Farm commercials. But if you look back at the one-time big star of the game, remember when he was almost traded to the Lakers and a commissioner voided the trade for the best interest in the game, he ended up going on a, a little bit of a, a, a uh, big, you know, vacation to different cities. He went over to Houston to play with James Harden. And they only got as far as that team was going to be able to go. So he ends up being traded to Oklahoma City for Russell Westbrook. And Oklahoma City is looking to rebuild. So he's basically sitting there with a bunch of players that aren't on his level and are not in a spot or a position where they're going to win a championship anytime soon. So it's almost like Chris Paul becomes an afterthought. He ends up getting traded to the Phoenix Suns, an up-and-coming team led by star guard and scorer Devin Booker. And all of a sudden, he is the perfect piece to a team that I think can make a legitimate run in Western Conference playoffs this year. Now, we look at the Lakers, we look at the Clippers, and when it comes to basketball, we think it's going to go through Los Angeles in one way, shape, or form. Assuming that LeBron James is going to be healthy, assuming that Anthony Davis is going to be 100% and those guys are going to be playing in the playoffs, it doesn't matter what seed the Lakers end up with as long as they got those guys and the players that are kind of helping around them. Uh, you, you look at, uh, you know, what's his name, Andre Drummond, guy who couldn't wait to, to quit on the Cleveland Cavaliers is out there helping them and all of a sudden playing good basketball. That Laker team is going to be fine. But the question is, the Phoenix Suns, where they're ranked right now, the momentum that they're building for winning games, they ended the next 10-game winning streak the other day. 
this is this is a really good basketball team. I think a team that's better than any of those Rocket teams with James Harden. Now you think of Harden, of course, the other side of the country playing in Eastern Conference with the Brooklyn Nets. That's a different story. Are the Nets going to come out of that conference? I said don't underestimate the Philadelphia 76ers, who for whatever reason aren't getting the credit they deserve. They're just as good as the Nets. They're just as good as anybody in that Eastern Conference. And if they ended up making it to the NBA Finals, it wouldn't shock me. But when it comes to the Phoenix Suns, I think Chris Paul is the perfect player at the perfect time for that team as it's starting to rise. And there's talent there, DeAndre Ayton. You know, you look at some of the depth that they've built there. Chris Paul's got that team going. And I, I felt the need to have them bring it up. I wanted to start with it because I didn't want to end up forgetting to talk about it. But don't rule out the Phoenix Suns in the NBA playoffs this year. Could they beat the Lakers with LeBron and with AD and with all their assets? They could. I'm not saying they will. But don't rule them out. Utah Jazz are good. I think the Western Conference probably has as much strength as it ever has. One of these days, the Los Angeles Clippers are going to do something. Ty lose the coach. They pushed Doc Rivers out, blamed it all on him. You know, Kawhi Leonard's won a couple championships in a couple different cities. So, you know, God forbid there be any blame on him for the performance of the Clippers. I think of Paul George. Paul George is, you know, went to Indiana, went to Oklahoma City from Indiana. He's not one a thing. You know, when is the pressure going to be on those guys to perform? Because nobody's really picking the Clippers to make a run in the Western Conference playoffs. And if the Clippers don't make it this year, you give the coach a pass because he's there for his first year. When do you start getting on Kawhi and Paul George? Kawhi's won two championships. Like I said, you're going to give him a pass for the longest time. At some point, you got to hold the Clippers and their organization accountable. You know, how many championships did they won? For the amount of years that they've been the Los Angeles Lakers' little brother, almost stepchild to a point, you've heard the hype about them for, for quite a bit of years now. They're better. They're competitive year in and year out. They're a winning team. They're a playoff team. When are they going to take that step from being a playoff team to an elite team? So obviously, you know I'd be remiss if I didn't jump right in to baseball and some of the things that are kind of getting on my nerves. I could yell and scream if I want when it comes to the Major League Baseball manager. I have before. I'll probably do it again. I'm not going to do it today. For some reason, my computer turned off, so... If we get comments up there, I, I will address them as soon as I can see them on my screen. You, know, you look at that baseball, it's batting average through the month of April. Major League Baseball, all 30 teams, they're hitting 232 right now. That's the lowest batting average through the month of April since 1968. You got uh, just under 700 OPS through the month of April. All 30 teams, every major league player that comes up and is batted. Collectively, they're hitting under 700 in regards to on-base plus slugging. The worst since 1992. And all you keep hearing is these people bitching and complaining, oh, 
you got to keep changing the rules of the game because you're not relating to the modern day baseball fan. Well, you know what the problem is, is the modern day baseball fan doesn't know what the hell he or she is looking for because they've tried to modernize the game and say a walk is as good of a hit as a hit. Now, how many times have you heard that discussion? You're playing little league ball. Hey, if the guy's not throwing you a strike yet, take your walk because Getting on first base is better than swinging at some pitch that's out of the strike zone trying to get a hit. So in some cases, a walk is valuable. If the pitcher's not going to pitch to you, you take the walk. But you're watching grown, professional, major league baseball players coming up to the plate in the year 2021 looking to get walked. You heard Robbie Grossman, an outfielder for the Detroit Tigers, getting all these accolades because he had a 600 slugging percentage and the guy had like one hit in his first 10 games. He walked 14 times and got hit twice. That made him a really good baseball player. Don't you think your standards have dropped a little bit? The emphasis on a player taking four pitches and going to first base has taken the precedence over going out there driving the ball and getting a base hit. And you're seeing too many first pitches being taken because hitters are told to work the count. You're seeing too many home run swings when there's two strikes. I'll tell you what the least valuable thing in baseball for an offensive player is. And listen, I'm not throwing rocket science your way. It's a strikeout. You do absolutely nothing if you go up to the plate and you strike out. And the strikeout rate in baseball as you've seen it climb over the last 10 years, the last 20 years, has hit an all-time high. And how do you feel about that? Does that impact you as a fan that's watching the game of baseball? Are you intrigued? Are you interested? Are you happy to see baseball in the year of 2021? And the reason I expound that a little bit is because... Like I said, the least sexy thing an offensive player can do is go out there and strike out. And you're not putting yourself in a position to get on base. You're not moving any runners. You're certainly not driving anybody in. But there's this feeling that it's totally okay for hitters to strike out. And I get it. There's another angle of this argument that needs to be brought up. And those that do bring this up have a little bit of credence and I give them credit. Pitchers are throwing as hard as they ever have and it's not easy to hit a baseball. Now, that's great, but we are talking about the best players in the world that are not only pitching, but hitting. So you tell me that the best hitter can't catch up to 100 miles an hour fastball. Yes, they can. Problem is, is they're swinging at too many pitches up, which is very hard to do. And there's there's been a little bit of a misconception with the emphasis when it comes to launch angle. Now, I know there's some, uh, you know, boomers out there that will probably be disconnected as soon as I mention launch angle. But the thought is, is that if you hit the ball at the right angle from the bat, it's going to elevate it in the air to a point where you're going to hit more home runs. You're going to drive the ball. It's going to optimize the best 
opportunity or the result that you could possibly have. Now, I agree with it up to a point. I think it's a tool just like anything else. If you've heard me talk about wins above replacement, I think it's a useful tool when it comes to baseball, but can't and should not be considered the only thing. You can't talk about wins above replacement you know, 100 years ago when you can't truly factor in how a player was playing defensively. Wins above replacement is supposed to put it all together. That's that, uh, that smorgasbord, that picnic basket filled with every aspect of what a baseball player does, and it judges that player's value. And I'm a historian. I'm going to be a historian until the day I die. I'm always going to appreciate baseball 100 years ago, 150 years ago, 70 years ago, 30 years ago, 50 years ago. And when we're trying, when we're trying to talk about what works now, and it may work with every player that plays right now, every player that has played from the last 20 years or so, you can talk about within the confines of wins above replacement. But if you're ranking, if you're talking about players like Ty Cobb and Babe Ruth, I don't want to hear any discussion when it comes to wins above replacement. We're not factoring into their defense. If you're trying to factor in their defense, it's not fair to them, especially those players that had to use dish rags as a glove and play in a gravel pit for an infield and an outfield, which you know existed 100 years and 150 years ago. You don't have the, the benefits of the, the grass being as, as well balanced as it is right now, the confines of the ballparks, the modern ballparks being played the way that they are right now. So the little talk about war, but mostly when it comes to offensive players, batting averages being down, I think there is too much emphasis on the launch angle, too much emphasis to doing something that you're really not supposed to be doing up at the plate. Yes, you want to optimize the appropriate angle to hit a baseball to be able to drive it and to be able to hit home runs. I don't disagree with that, but if you're telling me a young player that all he's done is play baseball his whole life, has to go up to the plate and, number one, catch up with that 100-mile-an-hour fastball, which, by the way, is a task by itself. Now, all of a sudden, you want to put this thought in this young man's head or young woman. You know, I'm, I'm all for women playing baseball. But you want to put that thought into that young person's head. I got to catch up to this 100 mile an hour fastball, but I got to hit it to a 17 degree angle. You're not going to be able to do that. You want to talk about why there's swings and misses? Nobody seems to care why there's so many swings and misses in baseball. But we want to just give credit to the pitchers. Oh, they're throwing so hard. Listen, if you're a professional hitter, you can hit a 100 mile an hour fastball. I mean, the problem is, how do you adjust to a changeup? How do you be able to. Um, Brace yourself for a 100-mile-an-hour fastball and then have that cutter that bears in on you. Having that slider that just breaks away from you. Those are the devastating pitches. That's what's changed the game in baseball. Now you want to say pitching is just too good? When is even one team or one hitting guru or one group of players going to change their approach to the plate? Because you're seeing a lot of the same thing. And like I said, in some cases, when it comes to this discussion, I come off as a boomer. I don't intend to. I, I say objectively, I just say how what I feel. But when it comes to this, 
you have teams playing in shift, which comes from a spray chart of each hitter and where their tendencies are to hit the ball. Pitchers are to pitch to where the hitters like to hit the ball. And there's no adjustment by the hitters. And we can talk about hitting the ball the other way. I don't want to talk about bunting. Uh, bunting is a lost art in baseball. And that's something that I have come to the grips with. I've come to grips with the fact that bunting in baseball is just about as useless as a pitcher hitting. And those were two things that probably not that long ago, 10 years ago, I, I may have been more of a stand for. I may have agreed with those aspects a little bit more. But looking at it right now, there, there is no room for bunting in a sport of baseball. There's no room for pitchers hitting. Pitchers don't want to hit. That's the problem. That's what's ruined the opportunity for pitchers to hit is they don't take batting practice. They get identified as a pitcher at the youngest age as possible. And what ends up happening? They haven't had an at bat in years. All of a sudden, you know, they're playing for a National League team and they go up there and they look like a damn fool. They embarrass themselves. And you might want to say, oh, well, what about the one or two pitchers that actually can hit a little bit? Madison Bumgarner, Jacob DeGrom. You can name a couple others that could actually swing a good stick. And every now and then, somebody like a Bartolo Colon will run into one. And you'll have that outer baseball moment that is, is, is so you know fascinating that you just can't believe what your eyes just saw. Those moments are few and far in between. But when it comes down to it, you have nobody that's hitting against the shift. One of the things that I saw that just continues to grind my gears is the fact that you have teams applying the shift to a point where there's a runner on third base and that runner is being given an opportunity to score. You got a runner on third, nobody's watching you. You can walk all the way down the baseline and go home. And you haven't even seen a player try. You've seen very few players even try to steal home. And the thought is, oh, the pitcher could throw the ball so fast. Well, what about moving down the baseline? If that third baseman is going to play wherever in center field, wherever the hell he is, and there's nobody near third base, I'm taking as many steps as I can. And anybody that knows me or ever played baseball with me knows that I can't run for shit. But I'll tell you, if I was on third base and there was nobody on the left side of the infield, I would get to a point where I would keep taking my steps and keep taking my steps. And if nobody's even looking at me, I'm moving closer and closer to home plate. And odds are, if I start 60% of my way to home plate, I can get there and score before the pitcher delivers the ball to the plate. So what the hell is going on here? Why aren't there more runs being scored? Why aren't there more runners at third base taking advantage of the fact that the entire left side of the infield is vacated. It's a joke. And you want to say why attendance is down. Why the modern day fan isn't paying attention. That the modern day baseball fan could care less about baseball because hitters are getting a hit 23% of the time. That's the problem. Major League Baseball is hitting 230. It's not because games are going on too long. 
There's less pitching changes now. I actually think the three batter minimum rule has actually helped. I took I took a little heat for that. People didn't like that rule. People didn't like the fact that I said I supported it. I don't support the runner at second, the charade that goes on when it comes to extra innings. I don't support seven inning double headers. I know that the commissioner wants to do everything he can to ruin a game of baseball. Rob Manfred hates baseball. I get it. But you want to talk about engaging the fans. How about a little more offense? How about hitters not striking out at a higher clip than they're getting hits? You realize the strikeout percentage in baseball is higher than the batting average? You know how embarrassing that is? Hitters are striking out 27% of the time. They're getting a hit 23% of the time. And that's baseball you want to watch? Kudos to the pitchers. And, and listen, if I'm, if I'm a pitcher, if I'm a group of pitchers, I'm going out there and going to continue to dominate because hitters in baseball are too stupid to make adjustments. And you hear all these gurus going to tell me about ah, the launch angle is so important. You want to put another thought in the hitter's head when they're trying to catch up to a 100-mile-an-hour fastball. Now they're going to try to make contact at the appropriate angle. They can't even catch up to the damn thing. You care about what angle they hit it off of? And forget when they, somebody throws a slider. You got these hitters that are so shook when it comes to coming to the plate. They're starting their swing when a pitcher's in motion just to try to catch up to the fastball. And the slider looks like a 50-cent first pitch out in the third base dugout, and the guy's still swinging at it. And once again, the hitters don't want to make any adjustments. They're okay with striking out 200 times a year. And then you want to try to blame everything else, everything else you could possibly think of for the reason that fans, especially casual fans and acquaintance type of fans, fans that may not be the diehardest of diehard baseball fans. Once again, when it comes to anything, you're going to be okay with the diehards. You're going to have 100% of the diehards' attention. They're going to go out there and they're going to go to the ballpark. They're going to watch the game on TV. They're going to follow the game on the MLB.com app because they're, that they're diehards. The same people that follow music, the same people that follow other sports. The diehards are always going to be there. The casuals are being pushed away. And they're not being pushed away because the games are going too long. They're not being pushed away because there's no stupid gimmick when it comes to a runner at second base to turn the game into a friggin' joke. It's because the batters are hitting 230 and the batters are striking out at a 270 clip. Once again, put that in your head for a second. The strikeout percentage for an average hitter in Major League Baseball is higher than the batting average. There's a better chance, not that the hitter's going to get out, which we established that. We know that a good hitter is going to make it out 7 out of 10 times. And we understand that. 
We know that's why hitting is so hard. It's not hard. It's not easy to hit a baseball. We've hit an all-time low right now. Hitters strike out 27% of the time now in the year of 2021. And they only get a hit 23% of the time. And say whatever you want about me repeating myself. But once again, you're going to keep telling me it's about all these other things, about anything else that possibly could have to do with baseball. And Gary jumps in, and Gary, thanks for tuning in. Uh, you say, what do you think about the Atlantic League moving the pitcher's mound back? I think it could help. Um, I'm curious to see. One of the things that I, I've, I've brought up is I think some of the, the charades and the silly things that they've done in baseball are, are kind of embarrassing when it comes to certainly a home run derby after extra innings would kind of turn the game into a computer game, kind of a joke that would kind of bother me. But to experiment to see if that extra distance, the extra foot back that you move the mound can have any impact. I think it's a study that I'd like to see the results of. Really out of all the things that are, and for those that don't know, uh, baseball is using some of their independent baseball leagues to try out different rules and to try out different rules to see how they could make the game better. I'm okay with it. I don't want to see a lot of these things implemented. Like I said, the runner at second base, I hope this is the last year that we ever see it. Seven inning double headers. Yeah, you heard about Madison Bumgarner's no hitter, which should obviously be a no hitter, but you know, it isn't right now, or there's going to be some sort of asterisk next to it. That wasn't Madison Bumgarner's fault that the game that he was scheduled to pitch was scheduled for seven games. Baseball did that. So that should be recognized as a no hitter. But uh, once again, a long winded answer to your simple question, Gary. I think it could help. That extra distance, does it give hitters a little more time to react? Does it increase the batting average in, in baseball? I don't want I don't want the average to go up 100 points. Hitters are hitting 230 in Major League Baseball right now. With the if the mounds move back a foot, and all of a sudden the average is 330, pitchers ERAs are six and seven. No, there's got to be a right balance. So experiment with it. But over time, see how how it can be applied. Maybe it isn't a whole foot. Maybe it's a half a foot. Maybe, maybe it's a couple inches. What is exactly reciprocal to an appropriate mean when it comes to batting average, a mean or a median, when it comes to batting average in baseball? You don't want your average hitters striking out at a higher clip than they're getting a hit. And once again, you can talk about on-base percentage. On-base percentage is becoming a charade, too. It started to bother me. Like I said, the Robbie Grossman credit. This guy had a 0.51 batting average, but had a, a 500 on-base average because he walked 15 times and got hit twice. That's no credit to him. You want to give him credit because all of a sudden he, he didn't swing at bad pitches? He didn't get a strike? He didn't swing the bat? Once again, and I tweeted this the other day, the the giving the player a ton of credit because he walks a lot and for no other reason is basically like giving a participation trophy out there. Here, congratulations. You went out there, you held the bat, and you didn't swing. 
whoopity do. But if I go up there and never swing the bat and pitchers can't throw me a strike, I, I strike out 50% of the time and I walk 50% of the time, are you going to tell me I'm a good hitter? That's what it's coming to. And for, for those of you that don't, don't understand that, that's really what the game of baseball is coming to. And you want to talk about the multiple amount of reasons why the game's going to shit. It's going this way because the approach has changed. There's no counteraction by the hitter to try to make adjustments for what the pitcher is doing. Nobody is going out there with a hit the ball the other way approach. Hitters are swinging their hardest when there's two strikes. And once again, I'm hearing nobody, all you factually based baseball gurus, you people that think you know so much, I don't hear anybody on MLB Network. I don't hear anybody on any talk show talking about the problem that exists when hitters are striking out 27% of the time they come to the plate and they're only getting a hit 23% of the time. They're striking out more than they're getting a hit. And you, the casual baseball fan, think it's okay. That's not contributing to the game being ruined before your eyes? Oh, but we got StatCast. What would he freaking do? The game is unwatchable. Teams got players striking out 15 times a game, every single game. And you think that's fun to watch? You think that's enjoyable? I'm falling asleep during half the games I'm watching. It's going to be hard to find many baseball fans that are up in my level in regards to the obsession that I have with the sport. Feel free to say you're a better fan. I don't care. But I'm obsessed with the sport and I can't stay awake. We watch a friggin' strikeout fest with a bunch of clowns they're standing there with the bat on their shoulder hoping to get a walk. And Michael contributes, thank you. I'm sure, sure I am falling asleep because I'm a Mets fan. There's nothing that I could contribute when it comes to Jacob DeGrom that hasn't been said a hundred times. But you get to a certain point where you feel like the team hates them. They go through the motions. They can't wait to run back to the dugout when Jacob DeGrom's on the mound. It's almost like they want him to look bad. How do you have a .5 earned run average and have two losses already? But once again, we're going to talk about how, how to change the game to make it appeal to our fans. Change the product on the field. Hitters, give a shit when it comes to putting the ball in play. You got some of the biggest power hitters in the game thinking they're going to hit a two-strike home run every time when they couldn't hit the broad side of a barn if they were swinging a bat at it. 
And once again, you can't catch up to the 100 mile an hour fastball. How are you going to catch up to the cutter with friggin' movement on it? How are you going to catch up to that slider that you think is a fastball and all of a sudden it makes a left-hand turn? You ever see Giancarlo Stanton swinging a slider? Like I said before, 50 Cent could be throwing out the first pitch and Giancarlo would be swinging at it. But all you're going to hear is the commissioner thinking all from, from this uh, kind of lighthouse looking down on the sport. Like he's in, the, he's from this watchtower. Like he's going to change the game of baseball and all of a sudden make it more appealing to people. Nobody's talking about the internal product. Nobody's talking about what's happening within the sport. Hitters are striking out 27% of the time and they're getting a hit 23% of the time. That's never happened before. But you want to talk about the strikeout average? Replace that with you know the batting average because it's higher right now. Hitters strike out at a higher clip than they get a hit right now. And I got a bunch of 19-year-olds telling me that it's great because players draw a walk. Robbie Grossman got one hit in 30 plate appearances, but walked 15 times. So I'm supposed to tell you that he's a good hitter. Well, I hope you play in a fantasy league of mine and you got him starting in your lineup. At least I know I can beat you head to head with clowns like that in your lineup. I'll tell you, though, it's, it is frustrating because you're going to see all these changes to a game, which for the most part has stayed the same. Like I said, I'm cool with the DH. You want to bring in the designated hitter, pitchers don't care about hitting. They haven't made an effort in years. Anybody that wants to say, hey, a pitcher wants to go out there and hit, if I'm a pitcher, I'd be pissed at all the other pitchers that didn't care about hitting for so many years that led baseball to go to a full-time designated hitter. It's time for the DH. I still refuse to watch a baseball game that goes in extra innings with a runner at second base. That's not changing the problem. It's not. This is the past ball show brought to you by JohnPielli.com. One passion food truck located in Scranton, Pennsylvania. Did a little NBA to start today. Talked about the Phoenix Suns. I think they're a legitimate basketball team. Chris Paul is kind of like, um, hey, if you're a Mets fan and you're listening, Remember when the Mets got Keith Hernandez in 1983? Changed the culture of the team. You had some young players, and all of a sudden you had that proven star that's going to be that winning type of player. That's what Chris Paul is. Chris Paul was on exile in Oklahoma City when James Harden decided that he wanted to play with Russell Westbrook instead of him before he decided he wanted to be traded altogether. Remember, the stars call the shots in the NBA. That's what makes the sport so different. And, you know, there's dynamics when it comes to baseball. And the reason that I I appreciate the sports that I appreciate is the differences with and the idiosyncrasies within the game. Baseball is not a player's league. It's controlled by the front office. In fact, managers, the head coaching position in Major League Baseball, 
does it have a say in what goes on on the field? Sure. You're in control of the clubhouse. You're accountable for the results of what happens. Your job is to implement the game plan that's handed to you. But there's very few things that that manager is doing that's impacting the game of baseball. The NBA, it's all about the players. Players are the difference between wins and losses. The players basically are their own general managers. I want to spend a couple minutes on the NFL draft. I know I brought this up a couple weeks ago. My interest is going to be after the draft. It's not going to be right away. I'll be glued to the television just like most other people when we're watching the NFL draft today. First round is always intriguing. I thought they did a great job last year with the uh, post-coronavirus version of it, the virtual thing. I thought they did a very good job, ESPN, NFL Network, the whole thing. You know, there's such an overvalue when it comes to young quarterbacks. And I don't know from what I've seen, and I watched a lot of college football this year, I don't know if these quarterbacks are going to be the, the real deal. Trevor Lawrence, absolutely. You're looking at a guy that's probably the best quarterback prospect since Andrew Luck. Um, here's a guy that should have a ticket for the Hall of Fame. Urban Meyer decides he wants to coach in the National Football League because he wants to coach Trevor Lawrence. So Trevor Lawrence aside, how much better is Zach Wilson going to be than Sam Darnold? I don't know. Are the Jets going to have a new offensive philosophy? Are they going to get a little more motivation from their head coach with Robert Sala coming over from San Francisco? It's interesting to think about. But when you think of Mac Jones, you think of Trey Lance, you think of Justin Fields. There's going to be teams that are going to invest the first round draft pick on these players. Talk is the Atlanta Falcons may take Trey Lance or Mac Jones at number four. And it'll be the first time in a very long time, maybe the first time ever, that four quarterbacks were taken with the first four picks. Because you know they're going one and two. And 49ers moved up to number three so they could take a quarterback. But the question is, Mac Jones or Trey Lance, whoever they choose, I'm almost certain the 49ers are going to take a quarterback. Are they better than Jimmy Garoppolo? Now, Jimmy Garoppolo, to me, the issue is that he has not stayed healthy. You saw him one year lead a team to a 13-3 record. When he's out there, when he's behind center, the team seems to win. And a year that Jimmy G was healthy, the San Francisco 49ers made it to the Super Bowl. Is Mac Jones a better option down the road than Jimmy Garoppolo? And I understand the salary cap issue. You want to pay, if you're the Jets, Sam Darnold, basically max money when you're not so much sure that he's better than Zach Wilson? I get it. I like the Broncos getting Teddy Bridgewater. I would expect them to have interest in a quarterback. The question is, are the Atlanta Falcons going to take a quarterback in number four? Personally, I wouldn't. You got Devonta Smith out there. You got... Uh, the top offensive lineman who, for whatever reason, I can't think of off the top of my head because I'm an idiot. But you you got legitimate talent. You got Pitts, the tight end. 
there's really good players available for the Falcons at four if you want to. If you think Matt Ryan's got three, four more years, which he does. If I'm the Falcons, I wouldn't draft a quarterback. But there's five quarterbacks that five teams are going to expect to be their solution down the road. And like I said, Trevor Lawrence is going to be expected to be great with the Jacksonville Jaguars. All of a sudden, that team is expected to turn things around and they're going to be a good football team. Zach Wilson, is he an upgrade over Sam Darnold? I'll tell you, if he's not, you got the Jets now who have gone the longest in the NFL without making the playoffs. Hey, I'm, I'm stoked, though. I'm excited for this draft. I think it's going to be fun. Are the ratings going to be as good as they were last year? I think not for this reason. So many people were tired of sports being canceled, which they were. There was no sports going on during the pandemic last year. The NFL draft basically comes after the Michael Jordan special, right? Or they weren't running simultaneously. If, if they are, then, you know, I'm too stupid to understand that. But very few things going on in the world of sports. People were dying to hear something about sports. So you're not going to get the same ratings this year when it comes to the NFL draft that you did last year. But it's going to be fun to watch. I'm looking forward to it. Hope everybody that listened to the show enjoyed if you do like the Passball Show, feel free to subscribe to the Passball Show podcast. It's available on Apple Music. You can listen to it in your car. You listen to it whenever. I got the majority of my 550 episodes up there. The good thing about it is each one of my episodes has a transcript, contains a transcript of exactly what I talk about in the show. So if you, if you liked my animation, you liked the certain things that I hit up on, if you want to know why... I've identified a Major League Baseball manager as the most useless head coaching position in the entirety of sports. Then maybe you want to subscribe to the podcast. Not only Apple Music, but uh, Amazon Music, Spotify. You could subscribe to my YouTube channel if you want to see this ugly mug. Stay tuned to the show. We'll be back with you soon. God bless you. And as always, I'll see you on the other side.